Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, October 16th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? I feel like there is a sharp turn into fall sometime in the last two weeks and kind of using this weekend to acclimate myself and try and adjust to a new swing of things. Uh, The natural lighting changing has some effect on your physiology or whatnot. Uh, The change in weather, I caught a cold the other morning, leaving my window open when it went to like one, two degrees. And uh, best of all, have to get a lot more stuff done in that three to seven window because post seven, there's going to be sports games on most days of the night for the foreseeable future. Stoked about that. Yeah. How are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing well. Coming off of a three-day tournament weekend in Brampton, coaching at the Canadian University Ultimate Championships. had a really fun time, got a little bit of sun here, even though it was cold and raining uh, most of the weekend, but what can you do? Uh, and and I'm, I'm tired, but I'm happy. It's been a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. I apologize to our listeners and to you, Max. Um, I have been taking vertigo medication for the past eight days now. Uh, something I was, I guess, diagnosed with last weekend. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better now, feeling 100%. Um, at this point in time, but really bizarre that, yeah, just I mean, was sick last week. That? And yeah, like, well, I told you that I was sick um, two Mondays ago right now uh, and and was unable to, to pod or did I pod when I was sick? I can't remember. I thought we did one where maybe you had just recovered or had been for most yeah. of the day. Yeah, yeah, so, that was it. Yeah, so I, I did it while I was dizzy, and I felt dizzy the entire week. So I went to a clinic on the Saturday after uh, the work week was done, and my blood work is all good. Um, tests for some of the like easier stuff is fine, uh, but just still felt dizzy. So I was given uh, a prescription for vertigo medication, pretty like chill stuff, um, and I've been taking it for a week now, and I feel great. So don't know if that was it and it was just something else that just went away but uh yeah interesting and so reason why i couldn't uh couldn't chat with everyone last weekend as well as the canadian thanksgiving holiday and things just getting messed up with the timing but we are looking to go into a two pod per week soon because like you mentioned sports are back we've got baseball playoffs nfl in full swing and the beginning of the NHL and NBA seasons. The next time you'll talk to us, both of those will be going. And uh, the last time we talked, neither of those were going. So a big shift and and two of the sports we're going to kick off the show today with. And I, I can't wait. It, it is always awesome when when fall happens and, and all four sports are humming along. Yes, sir. Catch up pod for the stuff we missed last week as well with the NHL season in Full swing now, most teams having played somewhere two or three games. We've got a lot to talk about there. And our last pod before the NBA season kicks off. So let's just get right to it with talking hockey. Oh, I had this note in from last week uh, before the NHL regular season started. Something that never happens to me with sports games happened with the NHL 23. I recognized and liked at least 50% of the soundtrack, which wasn't enough to get me to buy the game full stop, but when I see that sale go on, Jesus, sports games, 
enough said. Uh, maybe when we see like a 50% off tag, that playlist might be the marketing bump the series needed to get me a buy it. Haven't played one in a while. Uh, so it might be time to get back into that. But anyways, NHL season kicking off full swing. You know where we have to start. The Toronto Maple Leafs, a two and one start, a loss to the Habs in the season opener, but they get the home opener win against the Senators and fall, excuse me, against the Capitals and follow it up against the Senators Saturday, hockey night in Canada. I was able to catch the latter two games. So in my eyes, they're kind of two and oh, oh, for me. Um, I don't know which games you've seen and what's caught your attention so far. Oh. Yeah, I watch bits and pieces of uh, each of the Leafs games. And uh, my first thing I had to say was, I fully thought Jason Spezza was still playing for a solid period. Uh, oh. Yarn Croak, number 19, with the white stick flying around out there. Um, and it took me a second, because at first I was like, oh yeah, Spezza's out. And then the next time I heard the name Yarn Croak, and I was like, oh yeah, that guy's on our team. What number is he wearing? So I was looking for him. And then I remembered eventually that Spezza had retired. <laughs> and the, the, there was a couple of synapses that had to fire there in order to make the connection uh, between the two. And he looks great. I mean, Spezza was a great player on the Leafs, great fourth line presence. And Cal Yarncroke was doing a lot of things that I liked about Spezza. Uh, and he has scored already as a Leaf, which is fantastic to see. But that was a funny kind of first thing that, uh, stood out to me when I was watching the Leafs. And then besides that, goaltending was decent in the first three games. I think the defense let let off a little bit more than uh, – I think defense is more to blame in some of the goals that have been scored so far like, versus the goaltending. Uh, and the top line looks really good despite not blowing up the score sheet yet. But I imagine that's going to come. And hopefully tomorrow night against Arizona uh, in, in that one will be Austin's game to really take off and, and catch up to some other guys who are putting up points early on in the season. Yeah, he's been a slow starter most seasons, except that uh, rookie opener, I suppose. Uh, you liked Murray in the first game. I didn't really catch any of that. I just saw the shot total and goals weren't a great look. Very obvious weakness. High glove is where he got beat on all the goals. But I'd say two, maybe three of them were on defense, not closing the gap between the shooter. Uh, Cole Caulfield had two goals from kind of the same spot that Murray probably should have got one of. But I think based on some of the chances that happened, I, I wasn't, it wasn't dreadful. It was passable goaltending, which is what they're going to need in the regular season. And then they're just going to hope that one of them is hot to ride enough through the playoffs. And Sam Sonov's had a great start to the year. So maybe he'll be that guy. Yeah, it was, you know, like I'll give you one not great goal led in if it means it lights a fire under you the way it's been each game kind of. That second goal the Capitals scored particularly ugly, hard to watch, like off the wing, on the rush, not a great angle. I really slipped through um, Ottawa's power play goal in the first period, not as bad, but like kind of going right into the center of the net, not a ton of mustard on that shot either. Like it was a really well-placed shot in traffic with screens, uh, just the placement a little hard, but both games, 
You saw a really great second period effort from him that continued into the third in the Washington game where he stayed perfect for the rest. Uh, against the Senators, he lets one more in in the third period. Um, but that one, I think I'm also happy to pin more on the defense. Uh, Giroux kind of slipping in through Brody, uh, who should have boxed him out a lot more. And that's kind of been the theme. Well, both games felt really similar to me uh, with like the first period being crazy chances uh, each way, but the Leafs feeling like they get more of the chances, but as you said, not putting anything in. And then it kind of seems to settle down in the second. I think the Leafs tied it up both seconds and got the go ahead in the third of each game. So I guess nice to see the come from behind early uh, to know that's in their system. Uh, yeah, the top line, I, I feel like it's a matter of time before they really get going. Seeing the yeah. power play get us big goals in each of those wins as well kind of helps alleviate uh, that top line in each case was able to generate some solid possession time. And when you have four or five guys that good on the ice, all moving the puck, uh, they're going to find the chink. They're going to find the spot. And that's what happened each time. So yeah, uh, as far as Leaf starts go seven, eight out of 10, uh, like some of that sloppiness is going to be refined. I wish they were capitalizing on the other team's sloppiness, but like yes. we're seeing just enough that I'm not panicking about it. Yes. Uh, the offense will consistently show up for this team. The defense looks like they need a couple games to get into the rhythm. Uh, they're jumping up a lot. And I just don't know if we have the speed from all six of our guys to jump up like that. Uh, I've seen a lot of odd man rushes being given up early on in this season. And hopefully it's something that's going to get dialed in, tightened up. But that was something that stood out to me is that we're getting, we're giving up some odd man rushes and, with the way we have kind of 7D here with Victor Mete coming up is we should be able to rotate through guys to make sure bodies are fresh game in and game out. And Muzzin and Hall are solid as a pairing most of the time, but they are going to be the ones that that are designated flat catchers this season by Leaf fans. So I hope they are prepared for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I feel like I have my finger on the trigger to start with the Hall blasting, but through these two games, a lot of good things to say GWG, as well. GWG, baby. GWG. Yeah, that makes up for a lot of lost foot races, especially if those foot races don't end in catastrophe. Uh, also, uh, in that game against the Capitals, uh, the first power play they get, Ovechkin rings the one-timer off the post right from his office. Rest of the game doesn't get that shot off clean again. Uh, Hall stepping up for several big blocks and even an interception in that like dicey six on four end of game situation. So a game winner and some big defensive blocks, like fingers on the trigger, but um, he's making me think about putting the safety back on. So love to see that from Hall. Uh, any other Leafs notes? Not for me. I think it's i think we've now come all the way around to be kind of pampered in leaf seasons they have had much worse starts and many many worse years two and one and uh the one loss being on the road even if it wasn't a great loss you got to take two out of three the whole season right that that is a great winning percentage it's going to lead to a ton of points so leafs fans chill out it's just the beginning. Don't 
kill yourself in these first three games uh, and, and appreciate that it's four points in three games and, and that's a recipe for success for the season. So just look to keep it rolling. Yeah, 100%. Uh, around the rest of the NHL, just some quick things that caught my eye for the listeners to catch up on what's happened so far in the season. Teams with a zero in their current win-loss record. The Vegas Golden Knights stand alone in the league right now at 3-0. and With a chance to join them, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Philadelphia Flyers, and uh, the Hurricanes. One as of well these as- things is not like the other. <laughs> Uh, the Calgary Flames as well were there. I think I was going back and forth between East and West and forgot to toss them in. Uh, so all those teams with strong 2-0 starts, a uh, chance to catch the Golden Knights at 3-0. We'll see who can remain flawless. On the other side, teams without a win so far at 0-2 are the Senators, the Devils, the Coyotes, the Wild, and the Canucks. Um, I think the biggest L of the season so far not the worst win record, but the Columbus Blue Jackets, who had a lot of hype with that Johnny Gaudreau season coming in, have lost their number two offensive player already, Patrick Laine, out three to four weeks with an injury. But standing alone at the bottom of the league for the moment are the San Jose Sharks 0-4, losing both their games to Nashville in that European opener that started a little ahead of the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, that was a little confusing to figure out when the season They did that started. last year too, but it's such a weird like choice of teams as well to play over in the Czech Republic. Just random. Yeah, I, I guess the Sharks have a hurdle. Oh, fair, fair. That's just off the top of my head. I, yeah. I don't know if that plays into it at all because I know actually with the Blue Jackets... Well, you also want to pick two teams that aren't... You don't want to waste ticket revenue for like top, top tier earning teams. Right. Even though San Jose and Nashville are probably in around the mid and San Jose, I'd say, is on the lower end of teams that make money. So they probably do need the ticket sales, but I'm sure they get a portion of the Czech Republic ones. But it's like those top tier teams you can't go play overseas. It has to be the mid markets or the smaller markets. That makes sense. I was going to add in the Blue Jackets as well when I read the Line A story. With the three to four week injury for him, uh, he's probably going to miss a game in his hometown in Finland. Uh, so there's another case of a fairly relevant player having hometown games scheduled in this European series. Uh, injury talk, we forgot to add Matt Murray out three to four weeks with an injury. Um, just going to kind of smile, shake our heads and move on there, I think. Uh, last but not least, if you've been watching the Leafs games so far, um, you, you feel that like pit of excitement rising in your chest. Every You see Nylander on the breakaway. You see Marner and Bunting on the two-on-one. You see Matthews get the puck anywhere within the slot area. Uh, you get excited and nothing. Like do these, How hard is it to score in the NHL? Uh, watch the highlights of last night's Minnesota Wild LA Kings game. The Kings wing 7-6. A really back and forth scoring game uh, that saw the Kings take the lead early. The Wild kept catching up, bringing it within one goal, uh, and the Kings kept widening the gap. The Wild kept catching up all the way to tying at 6 6 uh, before the Kings make it 7 6 for the final score shortly after. But just those like two on ones, those one on ones, all those plays where you see a player and you think this is a scoring chance. And in these Leafs games we've seen so far, 
every time it seems to not go in. Uh, every time in these highlights, it does go in. So I found that a bit soothing for the soul. Uh, last notes around the league, Connor McDavid with the first hat trick of the season, but Sidney Crosby leading with six points in two games. Uh, I feel like I just want more Crosby love while he's deserving of it. So going to highlight it every chance I get. Uh, but that's all the hockey I got to talk about now. If uh, nothing else on the basketball. Sir, let's get on to it. When Benyama mania. Yes, Put it across sir. the top. Put it across the top. We got our chance to freak out about it a couple of weeks ago and I know we're late to the party but it will be said many many times this season that this is the best prospect since LeBron Richard Jefferson a little bit hyperbolic but if you think in 2003 if a prospect like this was available he probably goes one over LeBron just because of the value of centers Victor Wembanyama is an 11 out of 10 <laughs> it's 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 stupefying. And we saw this early on. He's 16 playing one-on-one with Rudy Gobert after Gobert had won defensive player of the year and was cooking him up, right? This is a kid who not only marks off all of the physical attributes and the skill attributes, right? He's seven foot four. His wingspan is exceeds that. He can basically dunk without jumping, but can also leave his feet and erase shots at the rim. He has a smooth three-point stroke, not only from a stationary position, but off the dribble and off of the catch, which is the only comparable there. Really, the only comparable there is like a Chris Stapp's Porzingis, but, mm-hmm. but Porzingis is still more of a stationary shooter rather than off the move, whereas there were some highlights in that Ignite game where he was catching off of screens and fading into the corner. Not only has the three-point stroke, but he already, as a center, has developed a variety of post moves. He has a shimmy fadeaway. He has uh, attacking, like facing up, knocking down fadeaway, mid-range jumpers, rolling, dunking, of course, is, is a specialty of his. Got a couple bodies in the game. He erases shots on both ends of the floor, not only at the rim, but out on the perimeter. He can hang with dudes out there. Uh, he's just an incredible player and then on top of it all you can tell he has the fire and hunger in him he gets hot and the first game against g league night he fouled out in the game he's playing with intensity uh and it was just dragging that metropolitan team uh against a, a more talented g league ignite team and it's it, people are gonna freak out about it and the it's been mentioned many many times but san antonio utah okc Houston, uh, Charlotte, Indiana, all these teams that are projected to be near the bottom, you sell and you absolutely drop the anchor to get to the bottom of the charts to have a 14% chance of drafting this kid because he will change your franchise. And it's another incredible international prospect coming through the pipeline. But yeah, there's not much more that can be said that hasn't already been said and we'll rave about it all year. But Victor Wembanyama, Sands injury is is the greatest thing since 2003. Yeah, 
as you said, we're quite late getting to this, but for a moment in time until a certain TMZ video got posted, this was all anyone in the NBA world was talking about. Uh, the tank race is seem, seems like it's going to go as far as it can possibly get, and then both feet um, somewhat planted over the line. Uh, the injury thing, interesting, the a tweet catching my eyes from Wembenyama's agent saying, yes, we've locked up the number one draft pick already. No, we're not going to sit out to avoid injury. Uh, so that going to the only thing that can derail this guy's career. I mean, the comparisons that jumped to my head were Kevin Durant and uh, who's the Nuggets player you love, Porter Jr., um, just as tall, lanky shooters who are like devastating in their ability to take the ball from an angle almost no one can get a block on. And both guys have dealt with considerable injury concerns throughout their career. Uh, it's just a testament that despite that, it seems like he still goes number one, even if like midway through the season he's out and there's a predicted year of rehab. Yeah, it's fascinating what uh, what his ceiling will be and what he'll get compared to across. Like Bill Simmons said he was maybe the greatest center prospect since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? <laughs> That's how high these crazy comparisons are going. He's, he's already up there with, with like Hakeem Olajuwon and Patrick Ewing as hype, right, in terms yeah. of prospects coming out. And these guys are some of the best players of all time. This dude is 18, and this is the worst he'll ever be in his career. <laughs> and everyone's already freaking out about him. It's, it's absurd. Do you like how I set up the transition to our next talking point? <laughs> yes, I did like it. I did want to mention Scoot Henderson briefly because he would be the number one prospect without this alien from Mars existing on our planet. Uh, he has an incredible variety of tools on the offensive end, and he plays with intensity. His size is going to be something people question, but you can't question the heart there and the ability to finish. He got blocked a couple times by Victor Dubs and, and still continued to attack and be creative and use different angles of attack. And uh, he already has a high level of IQ when setting up other teams on the floor and has that plus-plus athleticism, even as a smaller player. It looks a lot like Jalen Green when he attacks the rim and, and can throw down some vicious dunks. So uh, you need to have that explosiveness at that size to attack. And I look forward to seeing Scoot Henderson in the league very shortly as well. So like you said, major headlines <laughs> surrounding the league uh, this past week, mostly about prospects. And then, of course, the shock around the world uh, on on what was it? Monday, last Monday morning, around 9 a.m. Eastern time. It was a big deal, but it wasn't so big. It was a where, where were you and what were you doing? <laughs> Go on. When Draymond Green clocked Jordan Poole, gave him the sweet chin music in the Warriors practice facility uh, after getting up in his grill, Poole shoves him away, and, and Draymond kind of goes berserk there. It was... Seemed relatively unprompted. Of course, we don't know what was being said or talked about. And Draymond's not, he's a hot-headed guy, but he's not normally an aggressive person. He'll get up in your face and talk to you, but I've never seen him swing on anyone in the league. And 
doesn't get talked enough that in sports you can get away with stuff like this if this happens in any other workplace uh you go to jail <laughs> but it's it's something handled by a private company in the warriors and everyone was searching for this employee that made 2.6 million dollars off of selling the video wow. and kind of frightening that he could have ended jordan Poole's career now that's an extreme statement as well but hitting someone with the way he hit him in the right spot can be extremely damaging and jordan Poole almost misses out on a brand new extension for 140 million uh by by just ducking out of the way and there are a ton of implications from this and a ton of storylines to draw but max i'm curious to think what your reaction was to the video I actually never watched the video. Uh, I just saw the headlines. That kind of said enough. I, you I feel like you're re- the video, man. It's yeah. so vicious. It's it, so vicious. It, like, yeah, it, it, I know it's that you top tier. Over I just, the top. Uh, As I, a combat corner analyst, <laughs> I need you to break down this video okay, for okay. us. I will. We'll see how much power he generated from the hip. Uh, <laughs> what pools head movement looked like where the footwork was like uh, it would have been in ufc where the guy like where you get hit and your it flashes on your body right. thing and your controller rattles like that was that type of punch yeah that just you're not expecting someone to punch you in the face in pretty much any situation so just unprepared yeah. i'm sure uh i think you've been i've been reading much more like negatively minded cynical things than you have um it seemed almost like in fact for me uh, that the extension you mentioned pool got a big part of this with draymond's talks about of contract extensions with the warriors not going anywhere uh, near how he wanted them to and this punch kind of being the final push that got pool's contract extension locked up uh though wiggins who shares an agent with pool i believe having his uh, also walked up in a very similar time frame, kind of uh, disproves that, makes it seem a little more uh, circumstantial. Uh, but I'm fully here for the, even if it's just subconscious, the jealousy of the new star getting all the buzz, all the hype on the Warriors, a new face of the franchise getting so much appreciation uh, and someone feeling a bit jealous, a bit like they didn't, envious they didn't get that kind of attention even if they deserved it um maybe giving in to some of those the rage that festers deep down there this move i i feel like the contract stuff that pools over from this it seems pretty unlikely draymond gets that extension at all with this uh locked up like i i don't care if he goes and wins defensive player of the year and finals mvp Okay, maybe then he gets he gets maybe, the extension yeah. he wants. Yeah. Um, but short <laughs> of that, I think Draymond is probably not a warrior when his contract runs out. Uh, so with this new core locked up, that's going to be a really interesting look for the future. Yeah. Um, Andrew, Whit- like if you're going to ask for a guy to replace Draymond, that's what he's done for the Warriors. Uh, Wiggins, not a bad one B to throw in there uh, to fill those shoes. Uh, so if you're the Warriors, I, and I, you you replace the rim protection with James Wiseman as yeah. well, that would be the other guy coming yeah. in there. It, it, like I think um, Wiggins is going to cover one through three, 
very well for you. It's like the, a Giannis type player that you mm-hmm. feel comfortable throwing Draymond, but not Wiggins on. But like, it's a very small uh, margin where Draymond can and Wiggins can't. Uh, so yeah, I, I just mostly sit here jealous of Warriors fans with this ridiculous core locked up in the future now. Uh, not jealous of the luxury tax they're going to be paying, but... $438 million bill coming up this year for them. That's the cost to win. It's exactly the cost of winning. Highest paid team in the league, and they got four rings in the past eight, nine years to show for it, right? It's going to be incredibly fascinating to see how Steve Kerr manages to. <laughs> it's it's a it's like what is the equivalent here? It's like you put Mentos in a can of Coke and you're using your hand to keep it from exploding, right? He's he, yeah. what is what is the pressure that he's applying here to make sure that they somehow get through the season without another incident happening? Because the last time Draymond was involved in an incident with Kevin Durant. We saw how that ended up. Mm. And KD left, and it was a pretty explosive incident. And I'm I'm really intrigued to see how this is going to go throughout the season. And I agree with you. Looks like Draymond's out the door at the end of this year, one way or another, which is crazy to think about. He'll obviously retire a warrior. But this kind of has given them the excuse for fans to get out of the scot-free and say, hey, he's been a great teammate, but we can't trust him to have these moments. And uh, it's going to be all the rationale they need at the end of this year, regardless of the outcome, to to have leverage in those contract negotiations or move them out. All right. Do you think we can get through the rest of the spot in 10 minutes? Yeah, let's do it. Speed run. Here we go. Toronto Raptors, preseason takeaways. Uh, liked what I've seen defensively, have not liked what I've seen offensively. Hopefully we'll, the continuity of most of the players will be able to to tighten that up, but wanted to shout out Christian Coloco and Delano Banton and Precious Achua as some of my uh, stars from the preseason showing some of the stuff, obviously Banton and Achua, what they've worked on. And then Coloco coming in as a rookie looks pretty polished. Now, again, still preseason and the reads are going to change, but he shows the energy and motor uh, on the offensive glass and guarding out on the perimeter against quicker players. He has shown a presence in the interior and ability to block shots. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he'll adapt this year and the frame that he gets to grow into. I think he's going to fit in so well with this Raptors team and fans are going to love him and want to see him play at at all times. So Christian Coloco shout out and Delano Banton, the shot looks a little bit nicer, but really I think another year of playing and being comfortable guarding other teams' point guards and running the offense is going to be essential because there are going to be nights when Fred Van Vliet is not in a good matchup or he's hurt, and Banton might be running out there with the start other starting four and being a point guard, and he brings a ton of length, and that's maybe a little bit in over his head, but he could have a really solid and confirmed role on this team if if he continues to show some of the stuff he showed in preseason. So shout out to them both for for a great start so far for the Raptors. All right, on the football, seven, eight minutes, plenty of time. Yep. 
update three and two on Monday night football picks. I will be taking the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday, hoping to go four and two. And I will be taking the Philadelphia Eagles tonight if we want to add a bonus into our Monday night football add in a Sunday night or there. Uh, Cowboys Eagles. Um, we're getting a check on the score right now and how much time is in the game to see if it's valid to lock in. Just started. Just started. Uh, all right. Five minutes into the first, zero zero will allow it. So, uh, not double or nothing bonus round this week in Monday night football. Uh, what else has gone on today? Yeah, uh, story of the season so far, man, has been parody. Lots of different teams winning, and lots of Super Bowl contenders one week, then turning into a pumpkin the next week. The Atlanta Falcons, who have been frisky, finally get their big upset win that they've been looking for the past couple of weeks. They take down the 49ers. Uh, the New York Jets beat the Green Bay Packers. Didn't they lose to the Giants the week before, too? The Packers? Yep. New York football on those Giants. They beat the Baltimore Ravens, and the Pittsburgh Steelers upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers couple of shocking shake up the table losses atlanta now uh chasing the buccaneers there in their rearview mirror and and new york football max they are now the nine and three between the two teams and i don't think they've had a winning record between the two of them for about the 12 prior seasons so incredible turnaround for new york football you got to be happy for them there uh, because the Yankees are on the verge of maybe blowing this after having such a spectacular season. So they need something to root for over there. Also, New York football does count the Buffalo Bills, who just got their revenge over the Kansas City Chiefs this afternoon in a 24-20 win. Memes were flying after they left Mahomes 12 seconds in the half, and he was able to get them in position for a 62-yard field goal, which was made. Uh, but Buffalo, third time's a charm running out the clock late in the game, getting enough first downs to take the game 24 to 20. So shout out to Buffalo there for, for a big win. Uh, and they keep their season rolling along. They are definitively the Super Bowl favorites. They already were, but with this win now clearly in the driver's seat in the AFC. My fantasy MVP for the weekend, Brandon Ayuk of the San Francisco 49ers, even despite the loss, got plenty of touches. Uh, he is an explosive player and has not lived up to his potential. He had a great couple of uh, weeks near the end of the season last year that had a lot of people high on him coming into this year. Hasn't met those expectations, but maybe this is the start of a higher usage for him uh, because Debo Samuel is the number one guy there. But if teams dial in and overload to take away Debo, Ayuk's going to have some big games and getting 30 to 35 points from a potential flex option at wide receiver is, is great value there. So Brandon Ayuk fantasy MVP for week six. Let's talk tennis. Yeah. A lot to cover here. We've got two weeks of ATP events. Uh, two weeks ago, if you'll remember the five hundreds, we previewed on uh, sticking with our Canadians, uh, Dennis Shapovalov making it to the semifinals in Rakuten, Tokyo before following falling to Taylor Fritz. Uh, Fritz would then go on to beat Francis TFO in the finals. So congratulations to Taylor Fritz. In Astana, Kazakhstan, a lot of big names. Uh, we didn't quite get the final eight I was hoping for, but a Tsitsipas, Rublev, Djokovic, Medvedev final four, not too shabby at all. 
unfortunately the best match of the tournament and one of the best ones outside of grand slams this year between Djokovic and Medvedev gets cut short see uh Medvedev won the first set kind of outplayed Djokovic in the second set uh Djokovic hung on won the tie break uh, Medvedev then retires due to injury and Djokovic wins ridiculous quickly quickly over Tsitsipas uh, and he qualifies for the Turin ATP finals in doing so. So Djokovic basically flawless this year outside of losing to uh, Rafael Nadal at the French Open. I mean, who does that? Like, come on, step it up, Novak. Anywho, uh, this week, big ups to Felix Ojealiasim. Gets his second career ATP title today in Florence at the 250 level event. Uh, also winning today was Andre Rublev. And yeah, oh, I left you three minutes here for baseball. I, I think that's doing you a favor, uh, not giving you too much time to dwell on it. Yep. The Toronto Blue Jays with Austin Matthews tossing out the first, first pitch of their first playoff game, take the Leafs curse in stride and blow a one of the worst playoff losses in, in Toronto sports. Uh, actually, no, I'm not even sure if you could go that far, but 8-1 lead, they blow it in game two against Seattle and get knocked out and really, really frustrating uh, that they had such a fun and exciting season and it ends so quickly but more learning notes for them to take and Toronto moved on quite quickly. Luckily enough for them, the Leafs are ready to start and of course have a great season and bring home the cup, just like they always do. (laughs) Other qualifiers there, the San Diego Padres and the Philadelphia Phillies win as underdogs in both of their series. So a really fun and entertaining uh, national league championship series ahead between the two of those teams. Uh, East meets West in that regard. And the Houston Astros, the prohibitive favorite and juggernaut, take down the uh, Cinderella Story Mariners with ease and await the winner of Cleveland and New York. And the Guardians right now have a 2-1 series lead after a major walk-off win in in the bottom of the ninth there against the Yankees yesterday night. Uh, down 5-4, they get a walk-off single there. And now they are chasing the Yankees down 3-2, but do have last at bat. And this could be this could make for a pretty special moment in the Guardians season as uh, an inaugural name there change to, to move on past the juggernaut New York Yankees. And it would be so sweet to see after the Aaron Judge 62 home runs and the Yankees fans just talking so much smack for them to go out so quiet. Uh, in the ALDS, but we will keep our eyes peeled on the baseball postseason as it moves along. The vibes have been great and the sellies have been even better. And thank you everyone for listening with that. We're going to wrap it up. Appreciate you for hanging in there and we're going to get more content coming your way very soon. Very, very soon. We did it. Congrats to us. Sports next door signing out.